Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Wesley Union. Today, we are talking about Trinity Sunday. As always, I am Sarah, and today I am joined by David Schmidt, who oversees Atlantic Coast Wesley. How are you today? I'm excellent. How are you? You know, we're here. We're all right. We're good. here. We'll take that. In a, in a year like this, we'll take we're here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think showing up is half the battle these days. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yep. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, as you said, I'm the director of Atlantic Coast West. I've been doing that since August of 2020. Uh, I'm also serve as the pastor of families and modern worship at Casey United Methodist Church. I run our 915 Contemporary Service. Uh, I'm a local pastor in the Florida Conference. Uh, and before that, I was youth minister for eight years. So um, and this is actually my second career. I came to ministry late in life. I was in television for about 18 years before that. So after I got my calling to ministry, I just moved on into that. Hmm. Full, full life. There are several like distinct moments. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I had always been religious, but um, when, as a kid, I was raised Lutheran and very much in the church. Uh, and uh, about the middle part of my life, I left the church for about 18 years. And then God called me back very strongly one day. And so here I am. Hmm. It's funny that you say that today because we're actually recording this on Aldersgate Day. Yep. Which, of course, is you know the day John Wesley's heart was strangely warmed, and so it's it's interesting. To you cannot see. see my socks, but I'm actually wearing Wesley socks, and on the bottom it says my feet are strangely warmed. So <laughs> that's fantastic. It's a perfect day to wear them. Really, I mean, if there's any day to wear them, it's today. Yeah, it's absolutely. But they can be worn other times of the year too. I'm sure. Yeah. Particularly in Florida, because this it's kind of warm outside. I don't know what it's like where you are, but. Socks sometimes in weather like this, you're like, no, nah, give me sandals. But like, yeah, I don't. Uh, uh, I I appreciate that Jesus wore sandals, but I don't think I look very good in them. So, no. No. yeah, be like that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, thank you for sharing about yourself. I really appreciate sure. that. It's always nice to get to learn a little bit of people's stories doing this. Um, but to dive into our, our content today, um, we're talking about Trinity Sunday, but before we dive specifically into Trinity Sunday, I'm wondering if you can tell us like why you think the liturgical calendar is important broadly. Yeah, well, you know, the liturgical calendar travels um, through the life of Jesus. So we get, um, we get that time of birth. Uh, and we get that time of uh, death and resurrection, uh, it's basically what we have is sort of preparation, celebration, action is the way I kind of look at it. So like Advent is preparation, Christmas is celebration. Then we have in the Methodist Church what we call ordinary time. It doesn't mean it's just, it just means that this is the time to take action. So if we look at Advent, we have the preparation and Advent, celebration, Christmas, uh, action time between. And then in Lent, again, we get that preparation and then we get that that celebration of death and resurrection. Now we're, you know, and after Pentecost, we're back into action. So uh, what I love about the liturgical calendar is it continues to propel you. It always moves you through stages and you get to relive those stages. And hopefully every year you're in a different place when you get there. Mm, that's interesting. I wonder, because I didn't grow up with the liturgical calendar. And so I'm like pretty new to it, which is part of the inspiration for having these conversations. Mm -hmm. Because um, I think there are lots of people who in college are exploring different um, forms of faith expression and like right. might enter into one and not know what's something that for people who grew up in it is very routine and normal. Right. Um, 
And so I think it would be interesting to like over time, and I can do this a little bit because I've like been involved in the liturgical calendar kind of Methodist world for a little bit, but look back on different times, you know, that you celebrated Pentecost or Trinity Sunday or Ascension Day or Easter or whatever it was. Um, and what your life was like in those moments. Like you almost need like a liturgical calendar journal where like every year you do a little journal and like you can reflect. And I say every year when we get to those sections, like if you are the same person you were last Advent, you need to work on some things because you've had a whole year to grow in action of these things that we're talking about. You know, and Christianity is nothing if you don't put it into practice. Christianity is not something that sits around and waits for the next big celebration. In that time between preparation and celebration, now we're at action and we need to go and live like Jesus lived and, and reach people and make disciples and be the hands and feet. And if you're not doing that, then you're just not doing it right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then... How does Trinity Sunday fit into it? Why does Trinity Sunday matter? Well, Trinity Sunday is actually the last big event before we enter this ordinary time. So this is this is the last thing that happens of the celebration before we enter into um, action. And obviously it's Trinity. And, you know, we are a Protestant religion. We're based on belief in the Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. Um and so this is that time where we celebrate those things. We celebrate God as three persons in one. And it is the thing that has had theologians beating each other up for thousands of years about what is the actual Trinity and what does it mean? Because it's not in the Bible. I mean, there's nowhere in the Bible that talks about a Trinity, but it does talk specifically about God, the father, God, the son, God, the spirit. It shows that they all have their own little things going on, but they're all one. And the truth of the matter is that that's what we base our religion on. We base our religion on this three-pronged God that does all of these things. You know, God is eternal. Jesus is historic in the sense that he was born, but he's also eternal in the sense that he's divine. It's been here since the beginning. And the spirit is that thing that connects us to God and to Jesus at, at all times. So it's the most important thing. It also brings up something very important. That is we're never going to truly understand God. Part of this has got to be on faith. And so the Trinity reminds us that we have to be faithful to to something that as humans, we're just not smart enough to understand. Hmm. I always like when we acknowledge that there is like this leaning into something that is always going to be a little ambiguous and like there may is maybe doubt there and there may be questions, but like that we acknowledge that that's like part of this journey, like is the ability to lean into that. And then it's, it's ingrained into the character of the Trinity and the triune God. Like, Oh yeah. I mean, look, if we understood everything, what's the use of faith? You don't have to have faith if you understand a concept, but when when you have something as tricky as the Trinity, you have to have faith because you don't. So we never saw Jesus, you know, and 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 we'll never see God, and we don't really see the Holy Spirit, but we feel it. So you have to have faith, and I believe that's the beauty of of Methodism too: is this faith in something that is bigger than us, um, but is still part of us. Hmm. Mm-hmm. faith in something that is bigger than us, but is part of us. Mm-hmm. That's... That's the trick because it lives in us. The Trinity is part of us. I mean, the, uh, when the Holy Spirit came down in Pentecost, it went from being something that was around the community to something that was part of the community. And so the Trinity is inside us as well as around us. So it's uh, it almost has a very Star Wars-y, you know, it combines <laughs> and binds the universe kind of thing going there. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> 
say I I've grown up like adjacent to the Star Wars franchise, but not like in it. And so I like get the references like moderately. So I, I appreciate Star Wars that. adjacent. I like that. Yeah. Well, like, you know, my dad was really into it and I had like cousins and friends who were really into it. And so I like have seen like all the movies at some point, but like, you know, don't sit in the lore. So Star Wars adjacent, you know, I like that. I love that. Like, yeah. Yeah. So this is not Star Warsy. But, I mean, I guess you could make it Star Wars-y. I was wondering what the Trinity Sunday, like, what does it mean to you? Like, what is your personal relationship and experience with it? And maybe that ties to Star Wars. I don't know. I think I could tie anything to Star Wars if you gave me a <laughs> chance. Um, uh, I, You know, for me, it's that whole mysterious faith thing. Because uh, I spend so much of my life trying to be in control of everything. And... Uh, affecting every outcome and being part of every move that I make. But I need to realize that there's something bigger out there. There's something that is part of me, but is also looking out and guiding me. And Trinity Sunday is that moment where I can step back and say, you know what, there's something so much larger going on here. There's something that um, I will never truly understand, but it gives me comfort in my discomfort because I know that through all of these things, through God the Father, through God the Holy Spirit, through God the Son, that all of these things affect my life and guide my life. Um, and while I don't know exactly how that happens, I know it happens because I've felt it, I've seen it, it's been part of my existence. So it's that Sunday where I can kind of stop and go, you know what, I don't, I'm not in control of this. There's something greater that I don't understand, but I have faith in. Mm. Yeah. And it's also that kind of explanation you just gave situates nicely within the fact that we're in the season of Pentecost and we just celebrated Pentecost. And like, mm -hmm. there was probably, you know, Jesus died, was resurrected, ascended into heaven and the disciples had to go sit and wait. Mm. And there was like probably a lot of ambiguity and doubt and question, how is this going to work out? How are we going to be connected? Having to have a lot of faith in that moment. And then of course yes. the Holy Spirit comes upon them and that like creates this kind of connectedness and this gifting and outpouring of all these things. Um, but I think the Trinity Sunday fits nicely after that. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, those guys are sitting up there waiting, as you say, I always kind of, I don't know if you know much about Monty Python, but um there's this one scene where the father says to the son, someday all this will be yours. And he goes, what? The curtains. And uh, I can imagine Jesus standing there saying to the disciples, someday all this will be yours. And they say, what? The curtains. You know, it's like they have no idea that literally the Holy Spirit will descend and Peter will preach and 3,000 people will come to Christ because of it. They, they're operating on total blind faith at this point. And that's really, I think, where we need to live our lives with whatever Jesus says, just say, cool, I'm in. And, and amazing things will happen. It's when we struggle against that, that, that we start to find ourselves in trouble. Uh, but listen, we're humans. And so we're always going to want to say that we have final say over our lives, but it's that moment where you can say, no, there's something greater. Uh, and then great things happen afterwards. Mm. Yeah, that's a, a good analogy. My dad was really into Monty Python. So I am like familiar with Excellent. He likes to quote it randomly. And so as I, do I on Sundays to the dismay of many of my congregants. <laughs> he does it in his math classes. He's a math professor and he'll like make references. And then like one kid gets it and he's like, Oh, right. you're the cool one. Got it. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, I understand that. Yes. But no, I, 
I, I, you're talking about the image, you know, these people waiting in an upper room, right? And it's like, what, what are we getting? What are we waiting for? What is happening? It's just, it's so, like, it sounds so mundane, right? Like everyone's just sitting in this room waiting around, but then like this moment happens and suddenly everything is not mundane. Like it's like changed forevermore. And like, I think that's part of the beauty of the Holy Spirit, right? Is that when the Holy Spirit comes upon people, like there is a difference that happens. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it reminds us, I think sometimes whenever I, I get, I do like see distinctions, you know, God, Jesus, like Holy Spirit, like, right. We can talk about three and one, like the differences or whatever, but like the Holy Spirit has this very distinct role that we're talking about a lot right now, particularly mm-hmm. following Pentecost and the way it just, I guess, invites and transforms just really bring something beautiful to the table. And like, I think that's part of the beauty of the Trinity is like the way the Godhead three and one, the different beings bring different elements and things for us to talk about and feel connected to. I don't know yeah. if that. Well, yeah. Like, like God is the, you know, creates the plan. Jesus is the means to the plan happening, but the Holy Spirit is the execution of the plan, mm-hmm. you know? And that's the thing that the, the Holy Spirit births Jesus and the Holy Spirit, uh, births us and connects us to Jesus through this. Yeah, I mean, that's what we feel the most. I mean, if you think about it, Holy Spirit is really our most uh, accessible point of connection to the Trinity because that's what we feel, that feeling, that small voice in your head, all those things, that's the Holy Spirit. But it's just one part, uh, one person of what God is. Interesting to see, you're talking about the preparation, celebration, action portion of the liturgical calendar, but like applying that that to the Trinity a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. And I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think smarter people than us probably knew what they were doing, you know, and all of this started because in the early days when the, when the church was starting, there was so much consternation about who Jesus was. Was he really divine? Was he, was he uh, really part of God? Was he just a vessel? What was going on? You know, and that's why the Trinity discussion and that's why Trinity Sunday became important was because they wanted to celebrate the fact that this was actually what it was. Jesus was not just some human. Human. You know, Jesus had to be human because the debt of man had to be paid by man, but he had to be divine because only only God could conquer death. So it's two in one. And that's just too much for some people. They're just I'm out. I'm checking out on this one because I don't get it. But uh, that's part of that divine uh, 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 thing going on where we just don't get it, but we accept it on faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I've said, I think I've said this on this podcast before, um, and I know I've thought it before, but if you're sure of it, like if you are like, I am, you know, I don't have any doubts. I'm like, I'm not sure it's faith anymore. Like if you are, I just, I feel like faith necessitates doubt, doubt in some way. Like you have to have questions. And I think that's part of what spurs us forward, right. And keeps us evolving and like mm-hmm. diving deeper into our faith is the fact that we have questions about that life happens and like, wrecks what we thought we knew like that's part yeah. of how we a year later on the next trinity sunday are like oh wow i've grown as a person right like mm-hmm. because there are these questions and doubts and i mean life just happens like we've seen that this last year with the pandemic right no one expected our lives to be turned upside down like this Mm-mm. like 
And I think it's, it's made a lot of us have to dive into some faith and ask some hard questions and particularly in like our own personal journeys, but also in like the way the church is going to proceed out of this. Oh, isn't that true? That that is so true. Yeah. And you know, it's, um, I don't think God has any problem with that at all. Well, we know he doesn't because he didn't, he didn't give, uh, he didn't give anybody a hard time for doubting. He just wanted you to grow off your doubt. You know, Thomas, Thomas had a lot of doubts, but Jesus didn't, uh, you know, he didn't come after Thomas or, or berate him for it. He just simply said here. Um, so I don't, I don't think God has any problem with doubts. And I think we need to more, spend more time doubting our doubts. You know what I mean? Like, what is it that's causing the doubt? Because it's not Jesus that's causing the doubt. It's our own, uh, it's our own, uh, incapability of understanding. It's our own, uh, fears. It's our own desires that cause doubt. It's not Jesus that causes doubt. So I, I we should spoke, focus more time on doubting our doubts rather than doubting Jesus. Hmm. Mm. yeah that's a i'm gonna let us all sit with that thought for a minute and take a real quick break and we will be back to keep diving into trinity sunday because i just want to let everyone sit with that one for a second so back in a minute y'all in addition to these wesley union liturgical year podcast we also have a liturgical reflections blog series where different members of the Studio Wesley community share their thoughts on different liturgical days and seasons. To read some of these reflections, visit www.studiowesley.org slash blogs slash liturgical dash reflections. All right, everyone, we are back for the second half of this Trinity Sunday episode, and we are just going to get right back into it. Um, so this is fun question. Um, particularly since you said there's not like super like scriptural story for this, but what is the story behind and reason for Trinity Sunday? And like, why is it still significant to today's society in the church? Yeah. Well, as I was saying, you know, um, in the early days back, uh, with the church starting, there was a lot of, a lot of back and forth between leaders of the church as to what, what it all really meant, you know, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit was, did God create Jesus and the Holy Spirit if they always been there? And, and so one of the things about Trinity Sunday was it was a celebration in the church to reinforce the concept of, of what the Trinity was to, and it became kind of a, a regular thing they would do to talk about the Trinity. Uh, and that's just kind of carried on through tradition. Uh, and in our case today, uh, Trinity Sunday again marks the end of, um, this, preparation, celebration, and going into ordinary time, now the action portion of the liturgy. And um, it's important to us because we still have to remember that um, there's there's something magical, mysterious, and a little bit out of our understanding going on. You know, like we cannot constantly tell ourselves that we understand God because first of all, it's just not true. We can't comprehend God. But there, doesn't that make it more uh, interesting to us or increase our faith to say that there's something out there that is that is greater than our understanding and therefore must be greater than who we are and to remind us uh, that there is this 
you know, this force, for lack of a better term, if you want to go with the Star Wars analogy again, God is this all-encompassing being that does these things in our lives through, you know, through the historical life of Jesus and his sacrifice and, and through God creating the world and, and through the spirit connecting us all and transforming us all. Uh, it's really impressive. The more important thing I think about Trinity Sunday, though, is because it shows us how to live in cooperation and harmony. I mean, the three the three persons of God are are one. And what does that say about the church? As we are diverse, like God is diverse, therefore we should live as one too. Hmm. I really appreciate that last portion about the different pieces of God living together in harmony and that being a model and an example for us as a church, because I mean, we talk about like, even within our denomination, right? There are differences and there are people of different spaces of theology, but also people who have different experiences. And then even more, like if we expand it, like the body of Christ is full of many different denominations, yes. with many different people who have very different lived experiences. And I think on an even broader scale, like the most macro scale, like all the earth, you know, was created by God. And we believe everyone was knit together in their mother's womb and like was fearfully and wonderfully made. And so that puts this element of like universal, like care and how do we all live together and love one another well? And like, how do we bring that model of harmony and the need for each element, right? The need for every person and their story at the table and their gifts and talents and honoring all of that. Like it's, it's very much a, a, a call to like, and a model to go after, I think. Absolutely. Well, and this is where Paul, you know, Paul does this thing. He kind of, the, his whole thing about us having the spiritual gifts, but we're all like parts of the body and one of them doesn't work without the other. And, you know, you can't have a, a foot without a leg or a hand without an arm. I mean, that's Trinity really. And it's in its basic sense is that, you know, all the parts of God, while they're one work independently of one another, yet they work together. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, so as, our relationship to the Trinity is we need to be the same way. We need to, we're all one body with Christ as the head, but we all have our individual roles to play and they're important roles, but one can't work without the other. And we need to learn to live together. And it's a lesson that the United Methodist Church really, 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 really needs to learn. And, and we need to internalize it and live it and love it because right now we're like a bunch of body parts that are not functioning together in any way, shape or form. And it's going to mean the end of the body. And that that's a sad, sad statement, but we need to learn how to be one with Christ as the head and stop trying to do it ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, all the parts are so significant. Like I remember when I was younger, yeah, someone gave like a message on, you know, the body of Christ and how like everyone brings something different. And like, you know, some people, you know, you know, might be, the hand and some person, people might be the toe, you know, it's like, but they're all important. Cause like you need toes for balance. Like, you know, we think, mm -hmm. I don't think we think a lot about our toes, right. Unless we stub them, in which case we think a lot about them. Cause then they really <laughs> hurt. Um, <laughs> but like toes are important for balance and like, yeah, maybe you're the pinky finger, but guess what? Whenever you're trying to like hold like all your grocery bags and make it in one trip, you really appreciate that pinky finger. Yeah. Like it That's all true. matters and is so relevant to us. Like, Right. And something you said is really important. Different does not mean bad. Mm -hmm. 
difference does not mean bad. Like I need to say that three times different. We are all different, but we are all one. And it doesn't make us bad to be different. Matter of fact, we need to be different in certain ways in order to make sure that we're reaching all of the things we need to reach instead of just the things that we think we need to reach. God made us this way for a reason. And who are we to say anything else besides God knows what he's talking about? Absolutely. And if we were all the same and we like all had the same thought, how much of the character of God would we miss out on? Right. Right. Like I think right. God is just too big for any one mind to comprehend or one person to exemplify. Like right. there is a bit of divine in us all perhaps, but like you can't, you can't put limits on like the way we all need to come together to experience and understand and like embody right. like God. The Holy spirit affects all of us and she does it in different ways, you know, but, but, and who are we to say that the way the Holy Spirit affected this person was not the correct way. That's, and I get back to human hubris when we start talking about things like that. Like we can't, and here we go again, we cannot understand God. We need to accept that. And we need to accept that God is going to do things in the way that God does things. It says so in the Bible, his ways are not our ways. His words are not our words. You know, the Holy Spirit's ways are her ways, not our ways. We don't, you know, so I, I think I think that's what Trinity Sunday does for. Maybe it gives us a pause to step back and stop and say, you know what? We don't understand this, uh, but we believe it and we have faith in it. And we want God to act in us in whatever way he, he feels is best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned the Bible in there, which is an important text document that we should probably talk thing. about. Yeah. 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 You know, maybe like I should talk about the, like I have like seven copies in my room. Like maybe we should talk about it. Um, <laughs> so are there any specific scriptures or Bible stories that come to mind when you think about the Trinity or Trinity Sunday? Like there is, and it's going to be a wacky one for a lot of people, but I look at John three, this is the story of, uh, of Nicodemus. Uh, and this is where Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Uh, he's a Pharisee, but he's coming to Jesus because he has his doubts. Uh, but it's interesting. He does it at night because he doesn't want the other Pharisees to know, but in this, just in these verses in John three, uh, we see the whole Trinity in action. First of all, Nicodemus says, I've seen you do things that I know only God could do. Um, so right away we see, okay, so we know Jesus is God. Um, and then he gets into talking about um, how can we be reborn? Because Jesus talks about that. And Jesus says, what's born of the flesh is born of the flesh. And what's born of the spirit is born of the spirit. Right? He's talking about himself, that he's this two in one flesh and spirit. Uh, and he says, nobody can get to God who did not come from God. Uh, so right away, he's now said, hey, boom, look, uh, I'm here and you just have said nobody can do what I can do but God and nobody can come from God or can go to God unless they came from God. So obviously Jesus is God. Uh, And then he talks about the spirit and how the spirit is part of um, how we are touched. We don't know how the spirit operates in us. You know, and we look at Genesis and it says the spirit of the Lord hovers over the water, you know, so we know the spirit was there at the beginning. We know uh, John very clearly says um, at the beginning was the word and the word was with God and God was the word. I mean, all of these things tie together in this one little verse when he's talking to Nicodemus, he's, he's talking to him about the Trinity. He's saying, uh, I am God, God, God is I, uh, I am the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is I. And it's just this little nugget in there that people read as, as a lecture to a Pharisee when in actuality, I think Jesus is, is describing how this thing works. Mm. 
So it's an interesting story. If you go back and read it uh, and with that kind of an insight, you might see what's going on in there. Mm. Yeah. I, Let's, Oh, sorry. I think I cut you off. Well, no, I was just to say, you know, John is that gospel that's like the Sesame Street song. One of these things is not like the others. Um, <laughs> so, so you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John is dressed up sort of, you know, like Elton John in the corner, I think. Um, but that's what I like about John. He's got a little cosmic thing going on. He's not a, he's not afraid to make an analogy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Derek made me lead a Bible study on the book of John my like first semester, like being oh. leadership in CCW. Yeah, it was a real, real kind thing, right? Um, <laughs> okay. But um, trying to think back to that, because I it's been a hot second since I read through John. That was a couple years ago. But I do remember really appreciating the story of Nicodemus for the fact it seemed like Jesus was being very intentional and speaking Nicodemus's lingo and language and was willing yes. to honor who he was and his role in the story and his part of the body, right? Like, and already yeah. like seeing, like, you know how when the Holy Spirit comes on everyone at Pentecost and they hear people in their own languages, mm -hmm. Jesus was already embodying that in the way he spoke to Nicodemus in some way, I think. Well, and it's, yeah, and it's also the way Nicodemus came to Jesus by basically saying right off the bat, you're nothing normal. You're something special. I mean, if we think about the uh, the, the Roman uh, centurion who asked Jesus to heal his child, um, he starts by saying, Lord. Uh, if we think about the, the woman who tugs on his on his tunic, you know, again, Lord, it's, it's how you approach Jesus is way that Jesus then approaches you. Uh, and you see that with the story in Nicodemus very clearly. He's like, this person has come to me and shown me some sort of an understanding and faith. And I want them to understand what it is that they believe in. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I never would have thought to tie Nicodemus to the Trinity, but like, that's... I actually did a, um, as part of my seminary work in theology, I did a, I did a sermon on that. Uh, and it really, when I started reading through it, I was like, I can't believe what's really going on here. You know, uh, it's really impressive stuff that Jesus in a nutshell um, does this in the book of John. He kind of lays it out. He talks about God, the father, God, the son uh, of two natures and, and God, the spirit. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to like go reread that after we finish yes. recording because I hope other people will too. I might, yeah. if I remember, I'll put a link to like Bible Gateway in the show notes and be like, here's the story. Go check it out. Yep, yep. <laughs> because that's so cool. Um, so I guess as like a closing question, and this mm -hmm. might take a minute to answer because it's kind of a big question, I think. Okay. Um, but how does Trinity Sunday carry us and center us in the overarching like story scripture is telling in the work of the church today. I mean, there's the very simplistic original just thought of um, the Trinity is that which informs our actions, like uh, do as I do, <laughs> you know, um, in the sense that God lays out a plan for us of love your neighbor as yourself do for others um, love and, and, you know, serve, serve other people, put other people ahead of you, uh, very clearly, you know, in James where it says, um, 
in a very special way and that we are to serve other people ahead of ourselves. Uh, and, and that's what, you know, that's what Jesus does in his entire ministry. He puts people ahead of himself and he treats people in a certain way. And we have that great verse is what you've done for others. You've done for me, you know, I mean, that's a nutshell version of it. It's much longer than that. Uh, you know, but Lord, when, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or needing a coat or what you ever did for the least of these you did for me. Uh, and that is the story of the Trinity. Um, God didn't have to create humanity. It's not like he was lonely or bored or needed something to do. It was out of love that he created us. It was out of love that he paid a debt with his own sacrifice that we incurred. I mean, think about a God that is willing to sacrifice himself to pay a debt that was against him. We sinned against God and his answer was, well, that's okay, I'll sacrifice myself to save you. So very simply put, and then God uses the Holy Spirit to, I like to use the word, infect us with this love and this joy and grace and mercy and to go and do unto others. So the story of the Trinity is one of go and, go and, and serve. Uh, and I think that's what centers us. I think especially in the United Methodist Church, we have such a history of service with Umcor and these other things we do, is that we truly believe that the mission of the church is not inside the four walls of the church. The church needs to leave the building and go and find those who need and go and be to these least of these people um, what we would be to Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I definitely... I have appreciated as I've gotten like deeper into the world of Methodism, the way the church does that and the way the church makes space to go and live beyond itself and live mm -hmm. beyond just a Sunday morning, Wednesday night, whatever, like time in a sanctuary. And I think, I think we see that in the structural components like UMCOR and other various institutions, but also like in things like the role of deacon, right? Like that, that is a thing. And that yeah. is a call that often exists outside of the walls and connecting the church to the world in these areas of justice. Um, yes. And justice ministries is the area right now that, um, that we need to be focusing on because there is so much injustice in so many different ways in this world. And I'm not just talking about racism and sexism and, and human sexuality. And it's just in general, there is a lack of justice, uh, appropriate, good things going on in the world. And, if the church was made for anything, that's what it was made for, as that great um, equalizing movement that comes in and says, no, this isn't right. No, this is not what God said. No, we're supposed to be living a certain way. And that's what the church, the church is not about Sunday. Matter of fact, Sunday is one hour of your life. Um, that is meant to be like a leavening agent for the rising of the rest of your life. Like this is your spiritual booster to go out and do things. It's not, I'm going to come on Sunday and do my scriptures and my songs and my psalms and my prayers, and then I'm going to go home and that's it. No, it's the other way around. It's supposed to be, this is the booster shot to get you out and do things. The, the shirt I'm wearing, you can't read it all, but it says Jesus is bigger than Sundays because that's the truth. We, the, the whole thing of Sunday is simply meant to propel us into our week to serve God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so my bachelor's degree is in sociology. And so one of the things we know is that the church can be a major mobilizer, an agent of mobilization that 
propels people to participate in certain activities and vote certain ways. And it just has a powerful influence over the way people do live their life sometimes outside. And it has that ability. And I think it's such a shame when that isn't used to address the issues of injustice in the world, because they are so prevalent today on like so many levels. And I, I think we're failing to live in to some of even the great commission. I think part of going and making disciples of all like the world is living into a call of justice and like letting yes, that hour on Sunday, that booster shot, like inform the way we live the rest of the week and the way we interact with the rest of the world and how we show the rest of the world love and view the rest of the world as you know, part of the body in some way, part of people Jesus made, like, or God made, you know, in fearful and wonderful ways. Well, Sarah, the the flip side of that, though, is sometimes it's used the wrong way as a motivating, and, and, you know, we can look at the German church during World War II, you know, uh, we can look at the Southern church during, um, during slavery and what happened with, you know, the treatment of, of black Americans and all of that. And that was all, those were all God-fearing Christians, you know, I mean, it's like, and so the, the truth of the matter is that the justice movement needs to make sure that the church is being just in itself as well. Um, you know, and, and it's hard for uh, especially, you know, a white male to sit and talk about those kind of things. But the truth of the matter is that there's just times where the church has not been effective. Uh, and we need to, we need first of all, to understand Jesus Christ would not have been down with any of that behavior (laughs) as much as he's not down with the behavior of today. And so as Christians, we need to put everything else aside and motivate ourselves to be truly just in how we treat people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been so, so wonderful. I have really appreciated all of your insight. Um, So thank you so much for like, Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. Of course. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for listening or watching. However, you're enjoying this. Um, I hope you have a wonderful day and we will be back soon with another episode. Uh, So stay tuned. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wesley Union. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to today's speaker, as well as our production team, Troy Argon Buchanan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III. My name is Allison Corwin, and thank you for listening to Wesley Union, a Studio Wesley offering powered by Campus to City Wesley. 